Jack Spence Business Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. His name is Sam. He's actually um, a graduate of Harvard Law, and he's also in uh, the venture capital industry. It's great having you on, Sam. Hey, good being on, Max. Good to talk. Awesome, awesome. So why don't we jump right into this and start from, you know, the beginning of, uh, you know, like, where, where do you come from uh, in the U.S. and sort of like, where'd you go to high school and then university and then getting into Harvard and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can wrap that all up pretty quickly. So I'm from South Texas. Uh, I'm right next to the border. My house was roughly 10 minutes away from uh, the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, so I'm from an area called the Rio Grande Valley. Um, I'm right close to the, the Reynosa-McAllen border. Um, and that's, that's where people would cross. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm from. As a kid, I was uh, involved in all sorts of crazy things, uh, but most notably, I was a goat herder. Um, so I raised goats for quite some time. Uh, I didn't actually come from a farming family, but I grew to love it. Um, this is actually a really interesting story of how I got these goats at all. Uh, my family had a 10-acre lease um, somewhere in Alton, Texas, which is right outside of Mission. And my dad was an attorney in the Valley, and he loved to get paid, of course, as most attorneys do, uh, but he also loved to accept trinkets. Uh, some of those could include a herd of goats. He was super enthused about it. My mom, not so much. Um, but yeah, I herded those goats for, or I herded and raised goats for roughly six years. Um, and yeah, um, I, I was, I, I, I started doing it cause he made me and then I actually loved it. So I continued doing it. So I, I became, uh, obsessed with ag and, and all things related to ag. Um, I went to, to UT, um, graduated from the business honors program there. But while I was there, I decided to write about my experiences as, uh, raising goats and a way that I thought could help fight poverty in the Rio Grande Valley, which is a pretty rural area. Uh, in some areas. Now it's, it's actually grown quite a bit. Um, I'm, I'm very proud of, of all the growth there. Um, but yeah, so I wrote a book about it. It became a number one Amazon bestseller uh, almost overnight. Um, wow. It was called How Good to Fight Poverty. Yeah, it was, it, I, I had never considered myself a writer. I still don't. Um, but I was, I was pretty happy people uh, went for the book. So I went to I got into to Harvard Law School soon after, uh, or during my undergrad career. I went right after undergrad. Um, I was there as a 1L, um, taking all these law classes, and they were great. They were awesome. I mean, I loved uh, my time at Harvard, but I knew pretty quickly that maybe I didn't want to be a traditional lawyer. Um, and so I started writing. Um, that was kind of my way out, always, uh, was to write about things that I cared about, about things that I did. And um, I mean, I wrote a lot. So I wrote about elections. I wrote a, a book with my brother called How a, a Goat Was Elected Mayor, uh, which is kind of, or How a Goat Became Mayor, which is kind of along the same goat lines. Um, so I did that. That became a bestseller as well. That was a, a really interesting thing. And I, I started writing more about immigration as uh, Trump was elected and they started cracking down on immigrants in the state of Texas. So since I'm from the border, I actually do know a lot personally, a lot of immigrants, whether they be undocumented, documented or, or otherwise, or recently naturalized citizens. Um, and it really hurt me when these things were happening to immigrants because those are my friends. I know those people and, and, um, and they may not be that way for some people and some people have better ways of connecting than others. And I thought, you know, what would be good right now is if I could write about it and show people what's actually happening. And so I wrote my first op-ed for the 
the Austin Statesman. Um, and then since then, I've been published significantly over 20 times um, for different places, the New York Times, uh, the Washington Post, most recently, the Wall Street Journal. Um, I wrote for Forbes for over a year. Um, I wrote for Slate. I, I published a piece of Slate, sorry. Um, and uh, all sorts of places, the Boston Globe, any, anything you think of, a bunch of Texas outlets, um, all on the topic of immigration. Uh, and so those have been, it, it's been wonderful to write about that. It's, uh, and I wrote about it during law school and, and now I write about it now. Um, and it, it's been wonderful to, to, to speak on behalf of those that I know sometimes are, are, are mostly relegated to the shadows. Um, and I, I've been really happy to do so. So uh, that's what I've been writing about. Uh, I left law school, I graduated from law school and went to uh, Deva Voice in Clinton, which is a, a law firm um, in New York. Uh, I've never really spoken about it publicly, but it was, or, or my experience there, but it was, it was hard. Um, I mean, being a, a finance attorney in New York is, is no one's dream of a vacation. Uh, <laughs> I, I learned that pretty quickly. Uh, fortunately, though, while I was in law school, I started working for Amplo. I met the founder while I was in law school. He was at 3L while I was in 1L. And uh, we, we hit it off. Uh, I started writing for him because uh, he needed a writer. And so I was like, you know, I, I write stuff. I'm not really a professional, but I can, I can write you some stuff. So I did. He asked if I knew uh, about business and could do more business stuff. And I was like, sure. Um, so I did that. And then uh, towards the end of my law school career, he offered me back to Amplo. And I was like, I would love to, but, you know, I, I made this commitment to this law firm and my life's all, you know, all over the place. Would you mind if I went to this law firm for a bit? And he was like, you know, uh, sure, we can reevaluate. And uh you know, thinking that my law firm experience may be different than the others, I went uh, and then found out that it was no different than anyone else's experiences with the law firm. Uh, you know, it was tough. I, I like the people I worked with, but, you know, the work was was not, not always great. So uh, when he offered me back, uh, I, I took it right away. Um, and I left my law firm. Uh, they, I, I believe they were not thrilled. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I had a short tenure at the law firm, but I, I came back to Amplo and have been here for roughly officially now, uh, for six months. I would say that my time in Amplo total is roughly two years. Uh, if you put them all together yeah. around there. Um, but yeah, so now I'm a senior associate at Amplo. Uh, I get to talk to people like yourself who are working on all sorts of cool things uh, all day, every day. Uh, I work maybe as much, uh, if not around the same as I did at the law firm. It's just that my work now is 10 times more interesting. It's 10 times more fulfilling and I have way more fun. Uh, wow, and every day is, is awesome, truly. That's crazy, that, that, that's absolutely a crazy story. I, I, I actually didn't know that, you, that you're, you're, a huge, uh, you're a huge writer and you published all those books and then became Amazon bestsellers and all that sort of stuff. That, that's really interesting to find out. So yeah. what, like, you started right. So you started writing when you were in uh, Harvard Law, or when you were in yep. university? Yeah, Harvard Law. So, well, I wrote my first book when I was an undergrad, and then I started writing, uh, I guess, like pieces when I was in law school. Um, and my first one was—I'll I'll never forget it. It was for the Austin Statesman. It was in opposition to Senate Bill Four, which is "Show Me Your Papers" bill, uh, which I knew 
uh, was going to result in just a lot of people getting pulled over in the valley and basically just asked for their citizenship, uh, which is unacceptable. So I, I wrote about that. It became kind of a viral hit in, in the Austin scene, which is where it needed to be read, uh, which is what I was, I was hoping for. Um, and ever since then, I, I continued writing uh, for all sorts of places, uh, anywhere that I could, I could, I could fit in to, uh, to help out. Wow, that, that, that's crazy. So, so would you say you're more interested in like, um, it, it sort of seems like you're more into like the statistical writing and more uh, th than fictional writing. Yeah. So that, that's, that's also kind of what I like to read too. Um, I'm not a fictional reader. Uh, I, you know, my, my reading for pleasure is, is actually very uh, numbers based, <laughs> which is kind of nerdy, I know. Um, I like factual stuff. Um, and, and what I read is, is kind of, it shows in how I write. Uh, I, I write heavily based on, on stats, numbers, uh, things like that. And what I found is I'm writing in, in an area where there's a lot of strong dissenters. So there are some people who feel very strongly about immigration in a way that is opposite to me. Yeah. <laughs> and the only way that they will ever change their mind ever is to face facts. Um, to face numbers, hard statistics, and those things you can't argue with. Um, and so very recently, I posted something from a Wall Street Journal article. Since I write on immigration, I get lots of comments, tons. I almost never read them uh, because I know what, what, what they are, right? Uh, there'll be lots of, lots of hate comments, things like that, either directed at me or the people I write about. Um, I frequently get called, you know, an affirmative action acceptance to, to Harvard or whatever. And like, I'm, I'm smiling because like, it happens so often. It's like really, truly whatever. And I don't mind uh, these things, but I know that like towards the beginning, it was kind of jarring to see people go there. Um, now, three years into writing all this stuff, it doesn't, it's not even, doesn't face me. But like, um, I posted the comment that the person had written about me uh, on LinkedIn because I thought, you know, so many people go through this and unlike me, they don't get it all the time and they haven't learned to deal with it in a way that I have because I, I deal with it so often. Um, and I wanted to show them why I don't let these things face me anymore. Um, well, one is because, you know, I, and, and the first reason I posted the comment is because I, I wanted people to sh see that they're not alone. Uh, for the most part, when you get these comments, you're not like jonesing to tell people, you know, you're not like super yeah. excited to show people that somebody has, has called you a, you know, an affirmative action acceptance or affirmative action hire. Um, so I wanted to show people that they were not alone. And then two, um, I wanted to show them that, you know, it's not them who has the problem. It's the person that's using these comments. They're the ones that have this fear uh, that's, that's kind of fueling their insecurity. Um, and people really, really reacted to that. And I feel like maybe that was one of the first times for a lot of people. Uh, I had so many messages, comments uh, from people telling me that this was the first time they had read something like this and they felt so empowered or like, you know, and they shared with me their stories of, of this stuff. Um, so I was happy to share it. Um, yeah, that, that's that's the kind of stuff I'm I'm getting into as as yeah, of late. And also, um, as a Deva voice, uh, I was not allowed to write 
for the most part, you have to pass. Well, I was, but you have to get all your stuff approved by like their general counsel's office and such. Um, there's no way I would have gotten an immigration article passed through the, the general counsel's office, you know? Um, it's too inflammatory of a topic. But now that I'm at AMPLO, um, I'm encouraged to like take these stands and to, you know, to, to, uh, to say what I think. Yeah, well, that, that, that's awesome that AMPLO is doing that and they're, they're giving you like sort of self-autonomy to sort of, you know, write about subjects that you should be writing about. It's stuff that shouldn't be, you know, kept quiet or anything like that because the more you bring awareness to this, the more, you know, the more people that are aware to it, the, the higher the probability that it's, the problem is going to get solved right? There's more people yeah. having the awareness of it. So that, that, that's absolutely crazy that um, you, like you're Harvard, you're a writer, then you're at Amplo. So it, it seems, it seems like you, you're, you're a huge writer though. Like you, you really love like, yeah. writing. <laughs> well, <laughs> see, I don't love writing as much as I love the topic that I write about. So I'm, I'm heavily involved in immigration. Uh, so my first big deal that, uh, I was responsible for it at Amplo. That means I, I brought them in. I uh, was a company called LegalPad uh, that I sit on the board of. They are a work visa automation company. I absolutely love them. Uh, I, I totally understand what they do. Um, I love the space that they're in. And basically what they're doing is they're making the process. Their whole goal as a company is to eventually turn the process from you know a, an, a nine month to 12 month ordeal um, to push button, get visa. That's their whole goal um, for people that are qualified, for people that are coming uh, to the United States. And I, I absolutely loved that. I, I thought what they were doing was great. Um, and so that was the first deal I brought to, to Amplo. And we, we led their Series A. Um, so that was awesome. Yeah, that, 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 that sounds awesome that you get to, you get to do something that you're, you're passionate about as well, right? It's not just like, you know, your work is work. It's something that you're passionate about and fulfilled about. So, so that's awesome. So what, what made you want to go into Harvard Law if you have like, you, you sort of have like these, all these different areas that you're really interested in, you know, you're writing, what, what made you go into Harvard Law instead of like, you know, maybe a writing, um, you know, like a writing degree or something like that, or yeah. like, business, yeah. like a bit like, you know, a business management degree or something. Yeah, sure, sure. So uh, I grew up, my dad was a lawyer. Um, my dad was uh, my biggest hero and and uh, I always wanted to be like him. He, so whatever he did, I wanted to do. And I didn't really, I mean, so he passed away when I was 18. I was just going into college undergrad. And uh, there wasn't a lot of structure uh, as far as like where to go, what to choose. I was going to business school the year after. So I, I transferred into the business school from another, uh, from the College of Liberal Arts at UT. Um, I'd actually, <laughs> really interesting story, I was denied from the UT Business School um, before they let me into their honors program the year after. Um, so that's interesting, interesting story there. But uh, I, I went to law school because I felt like that's what I always wanted to do since I was a kid. Um, I still use my law degree. Uh, I don't use it as much as like a litigator or somebody else. But, you know, I, I have to read through contracts for AMPLO. I have to revise term sheets and stuff. And, that's all kind of what a lawyer does uh, on the transactional side. Uh, but that's the reason I did it. Um, I don't regret it at all. I learned so much. I met so many great people. Um, and I feel like there are so many things I learned that I'll be able to apply for the rest of my life. 
maybe not in a court of law, but definitely uh, in life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the thing with, uh, from what I've heard from other people is that like, when you go to, let's say one of these Ivy league schools is it's, it's like, you get a really, really good network of the next, like, you know, the next generation of leaders that are coming out and starting businesses and going to, and they're going to be directors of firms and all this other stuff. Yeah. So like, if you have that network from the ground level and then, you know, you guys can grow to lever, grow together. Mm-hmm. And stuff. So that, that, really that, that's pretty interesting. Interesting story. I, yeah, I went to a classmate of mine, so the year above me, I mean, Sheol Tile, the founder of Amplo, was a 3L when I was a 1L. That's how I met him. He was at Harvard. Um, and so he, he was coming off of leading the seed practice at NEA, and that's when I met him. And uh, he was just, you know, forming up Amplo. I think Amplo had been around for a year or so when I, I came on to write. But even, uh, I guess, similarly as crazy as that, I was, have you heard of the company called Evisort, or it's called Evisort? No, I, I haven't. Yes, so they're a contract AI management software, um, and they're awesome. I mean, they're they're killing it. They're, they're one of the few legal tech companies that I think have not only, like, done well or, like, you know, survived through COVID, but they've actually accelerated. They've done better um, just because of how their software works. And I'll, I can explain that later. But um, the founder is a guy named Jerry Ting. I went to law school with him. Oh, Jerry Ting and Jake Sussman, they were the year above me. Um, and I knew them, you know, I just, I knew these guys. They were just hilarious dudes who I thought were, you know, uh, they like me, they were law school haters in, in that like they didn't care to be at the top of the law school class. They just wanted to do what they were gonna do. And they were here at Harvard to like, make a name for themselves in, in other ways that didn't involve the law. And uh, I was, I really associated with that. Um, I would like to think that they're kind of, trailblazing thinking for me because I, I was surrounded by people who cared so deeply about their grades and, and the things like that to see these guys um, care about things that didn't involve grades. I was, it, it, it was kind of career altering for me. And so that, that was kind of what set me up. Uh, I didn't really care about grades as much as I did about doing the things that I cared about. And so, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, he went on to start every sort they raised recently a $15 million Series A. Wow. Um, and he started that while at Harvard Law School. Wow. That's, 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 so that, that, that's, that's the perks of having, you know, when, when you go to these schools is having like, it's, it's not just like the education that you're getting. It's the people that you're, the, the quality people that you're meeting that are most likely probably going to go on to do something very successful in, you know, some sort of field or, or industry out there. So having those networks is really useful. So mm-hmm. I, I sort of want to jump jump to um, I, I we touched on a lot of like interesting stuff, and uh, you know with uh, you know with your writing and Harvard and all that sort of stuff. So uh, I, I sort of want I sort of want to talk more about the writing and, and how you know like uh, what are your sort of sort of future goals with uh, the writing and stuff. So for writing, I mean I. I don't intend to ever stop. Um, my goal is to kind of keep on going and to keep writing about things that I think are important. So immigration would be one. I love my current job as, as a venture associate. So like I want to write more about venture and, and the things that I come across. Um, so those are the things I would hope to write um, more about those two topics. And so, okay. 
and and I kind of see myself maybe moving into like being more of a contributor at a few places. I'm a contributor at law.com. I write for on legal tech, um, and which is a, a huge area of, of interest for me, legal tech, reg tech, uh, both. Um, and then of course I want to write more about just general startup stuff and I'm writing for built in now. Uh, I recently published an article about, uh, and a concept I've been the instant payback period. Um, so yeah. Wow. That, 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 that's pretty cool. That's, that's awesome. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, so some other questions that I have is, so you, you did, you, you went to a law firm and you sort of found that, you know, law, like you didn't really like the type of work that you were doing there. Um, and then, so you went into the venture capital scene. Um, yeah. what do you like most about the venture capital scene? So I love that every day is absolutely different and I get to talk to people that are super excited about what they're doing. Every single day I talk to people that are incredibly passionate about the stuff they're working on. Every single day I get to talk to people that are working on groundbreaking problems. And, and you know, I get to learn something new. Uh, seriously, every single day. Uh, and so it's, it's been great. And then on top of that, I think that my work situation is also really great in that it's a two-man investing team. It's me and Shield. Uh, and Shiel has been super generous about giving me a lot of autonomy to, to do things like go on a podcast and like uh, write articles and to source my own companies and define uh, new opportunities for Amplo. It's not like at a law firm where I sat down and I was given 30 assignments. I go make my own assignments and he trusts that I'm going to go do that. Um, also, just generally, I mean, working for the guy is incredible. I mean, he's a, he's a venture legend. And I get to learn from him every single day. Uh, and he has, he's, he's young, but he has a lot, a lot of wisdom. So I, I'm, I'm happy that I get to learn from him. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but I, I looked into, because I looked into Amplo just to gain a little bit more like insight to sort of the company you work for. And uh, I saw the shield and uh, what, he, he, like you said, he was at Harvard. Um, so how, do you know how he actually came uh, about the idea to go into venture capital as well? So, yeah, I mean, I, he's, he's spoken with me about it a number of times. I mean, what he saw is that venture capital is one of the most powerful means of social change that we have available to us. So if we believe that capitalism in, in itself, in some form or fashion, is a good way for us to operate, which it seems like we will for the foreseeable future, um, that means that venture will always be, or in, as long as that is true, uh, a really powerful means for social change. And what that means is like, he gives this really great story of a, of a company that moved into Africa to make cell phones or to make cell phones accessible to people. Before that, um, a, a person whose child was hurt would have to walk into the street and ask their neighbors to get a phone, to give them a ride to the hospital. Um, now they can just pick up the phone and call people to help come and help them, right? So that changed the whole continent. And that was just one set of entrepreneurs. Of course, we see things like Facebook, we see things like Google, those are all, those are all started by startup entrepreneurs. Um, so we see the ability to change uh, how we live day to day, the ability to change how we do things uh, that are meaningful to us, and the ability to really change quality of life for people uh, at the ground level um, through venture capital. And so that's why he moved from the startup world to venture capital stuff. And I think he's been able to invest in some super meaningful companies. Uh, you know, Robinhood is 
uh, I, I would say not only largely successful, but uh, I would say behavior changing. They were the first people to really come out and, and make commission free trading a huge thing. And so like when they did, uh, that was, you know, a, a big deal for that space. Uh, and it was a, you know, it, it was changing for, for that space to, to have yeah. commission free trading. And it really democratized who had access to those kinds of things. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that, that is also an, another incredible story. Yeah. Like, yeah, just hearing more about you and more about Ample and, uh, you know, Sheila and all what you guys are doing, that's incredible to hear about. So I, I sort of want to jump a little bit more into the, the venture capital. Um, so how, how, how do you guys, uh, from, you know, my point of view, I've, I know very little about venture capital, but to let's say um, somebody out there that's, you know, maybe in the, you know, they're in university or college or high school and they're listening to this podcast and they're like, uh, I don't really know that much about venture capital, but it sounds pretty interesting. Like from what you've said so far, it sounds amazing, you know, being able to, you know, have meetings with very interesting entrepreneurs and startups and, you know, help them, you know, fund their journey to, you know, grow their, grow their business. So what, what, what would you say about somebody that's wanting to get into the venture capital scene? So for someone that wants to get into the venture capital scene, I've, I've, I've had this conversation a few times, you know, with people that, that want to come in, What's unfortunate is that a lot of getting into venture capital is luck. I did not, you know, like most people that went into Harvard Law School, I came into Harvard Law School with every intention of being a lawyer. Um, I had no idea that venture capital was even a job I could do um, until I met Shield. So like, it, it's a lot of luck. It's a lot of, uh, you know, fortune. But uh, for those who are willing to like take that gamble and do whatever, there are some things that you can do to make you more likely uh, to get a job in venture capital than others. And one of those things is if you're a student where you have a job that is letting you do things outside of the job, you should highly, highly look into working as a free intern um, or a very low paid intern for one of these funds. Now, the reason I say free or low paid, I know that that's kind of stifling for a lot of people, but for, I mean, a lot of students can make it work. Uh, a lot of people that have jobs that give them a little bit of free time can make it work. You don't have to work for them 40 hours a week. You just have to do a little bit of projects here and there because it's so hard to break in that unless you have some sort of like free experience where they're teaching you, it's impossible to start off with like a paid gig in venture uh, unless you know somebody really well or you already have that connection. So that's kind of what I did. Um, when I started at Amplo, I was a student and I was willing to work for basically nothing uh, because I was a student. I, I wanted to kind of see what, what venture was like. Um, and so I did. Uh, and that kind of led to my job. I, I wasn't wealthy by any means. Uh, I just, I was a student and I was, I was kind of living on student loans. Uh, I wasn't, <laughs> it definitely wasn't wealthy, but I knew that I could make the time, especially if, you know, what this guy was, was, was doing was, was worth it. And so, uh, I learned quickly on that this was awesome and I loved it. So I knew roughly a few months in that I, I wanted to do this as a career. I, I loved it. Um, and so I kept going. Um, and it, it's worth it for anyone to try it out for a couple months and to see if that's what you really want to pursue, keep going. And you'll get those credentials. So people like, you know, a firm like Amplo doesn't want to hire someone to come on as an analyst and pay them money if they don't already know, you know, what's EBITDA? You know, what is uh, burn rate? You know, what are these things? If we're going to teach you those things, it's, uh, it's going to be hard for us to like justify paying you 
yeah. to come on. And a lot of venture funds think the same because they run very, very leanly. They run super lean. So getting those internships, getting that knowledge is critical. So that way you can get a paid position when you graduate because it's, it's so hard to not do that. Um, it, it's so hard to come in with none of that knowledge. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that does make a lot of sense. So, so pretty much, um, uh, so pretty much you'd say like, you know, in, in, intern with these companies while you're at university or maybe, uh, you know, if you get out and have a, if you're able to get a job at another company and you're sort of wanting to get it, you find out about venture capital and you want to get into it, uh, really interning with them to learn the business and understand, you know, all the terms and terminology of it. Um, so it, it Ample is just you and, uh, is it just you and Shield right now that, that are just running the company? Yeah, well, so the, the structure of Ample is, is unique. Um, and then, oh, again, to the, to the last point, you can also work for a startup. So that's another way to get into VC. So that's like an entirely separate route that I, I don't have a lot to speak on, but I have seen a lot of people do it very successfully, of course. Um, and then there's people who do like the investment banking route. That's a whole thing. That's, that's another thing. But um. So the way that Amplo runs is Sheila and I are part of the investment committee. So it's, it's him and I that bring in the new opportunities, uh, diligence them, whatever. Sheila, of course, gets the final say as to whether or not we, we move forward. Um, and then on the venture partner side, so those are all the people that you'll see on our website. We've got the former prime minister of Australia, uh, Julie Gillard, national security advisor under Obama, and dark horse vice president, uh, presidential pick, uh, Susan Rice on wow. our board. Uh, Alec Roth, who's a, a very famous scholar and New York Times bestselling author, Lema, who's a, a Nobel Peace Prize winner. Uh, Vlad Tennant, the co-founder of Robinhood. Whitney Wolf, the CEO of Bumble. Ian Carnival, the VP of Design for Andela. Uh, we also recently added the former Prime Minister of New Zealand, John Key, and um, singer, Sean Mendez, <laughs> onto our venture partner. So That's if, absolutely if, crazy. If you, if, yeah, if we invest at a stage where we get a, um, a board member you can pick from any one of our venture partners um so any of those folks that you see would be the best fit for your company or you could pick me <laughs> or, or you could pick shield um but yeah so that's that's what's available to people um the reason that that structure works really well for us is because what she'll notice at other firms is what he would call like a board blow in that one person is on like 14, 15 boards, um, which is great if that's their full-time job. But as far as like that, you know, the investing portion of their job where they're going out, finding new opportunities, diligencing them, deciding whether or not they're investable and then investing, that is a full-time job in and of itself. So if you're on 15 boards, it's hard to do both. It becomes a 24 hour a day job if you're doing that, right? Yeah. So what he's doing is kind of outsourcing these board positions to these incredible value add people that are, have a lot of political experience and a lot of business experience. They come in, they sit on the boards, they help us uh, manage that side. And then we are on the investing side. So um, it helps us free or, or free up our time to go uh, hunt down new opportunities, diligence them all the way through and then make those investing decisions. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so just from my point of view, uh, understanding this and maybe somebody else's, um, so, so pretty much you've partnered with these, you know, different members like, uh, you know, you've partnered with these different people and pretty much what you do is you, you guys go out, find a startup or something that shows a lot of promise 
And then you bring that back to these guys and see if they want to invest in that company. And then do you guys take a percentage of the investment? Yes, of course, man, or Ample has a manager. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> okay. uh, a cut or a, a portion of the carry goes to the management. Um, and the way that we do things uh, is that normally we have these things called board presentations where companies that we invest in get to come present to our entire board. Normally those things happen before a big investment or uh, when we're considering a big follow-on. Um, so they'll come, they'll present to our board, they get to get you know peppered with questions. Uh, the board is usually not shy about questioning people and, and getting their takes on things. So uh, it's really interesting. You know, you have these startup people uh, in front of Susan Rice and Julia Gillard and, and whatever, and they're just getting peppered with questions. <laughs> and, 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 you know, uh, you'd be shocked. I mean, these, these startup founders do so well. Um, and they're, they're just, and that's what we're looking for. You know, someone that knows their business so well that they would stand in front of Susan Rice and like take a, you know, a hard question from her and deliver it back well. Yeah. Um, that's a high standard to meet. So if you can meet it, you're probably doing pretty well. Yeah. Wow. That, that, yeah, that, that does sound pretty interesting to, to be involved in, in, in the venture capital. So that, 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 that's pretty cool. So how, how did you guys actually get these partners and these partnerships? Because like, you guys are a startup as well, right? Like, I, I don't, like there's not many, like you guys sort of seem yeah. to be a startup as well and you're helping other startups. So that, I think that's pretty cool and stuff. So how, how did you actually get these awesome, uh, you know, relationships with other people? Yes. Yeah, so I don't want to speak too much on Shield's behalf. Yeah. He's the one who went out and got all these folks. Um, I mean, what I think what Shield has done is like he's. I can only describe this man as a as a former boy genius. No longer a boy, but still very much a genius. You know, <laughs> he's a he's a, he graduated from Stanford at nineteen, I think. And uh, at one point, we had a you know a another associate who also did that um while we were on a call with the whole board they went through and they kind of went through their backgrounds like graduated from stanford at 19 went to law school at harvard at, you know whatever age and i was like hey guys uh i went to or i graduated from college at a regular age standard 22. Uh, <laughs> so how shield did this um i don't know uh particularly but i know that He's been around, you know, he is, he has been successful and at the top of his game since the guy was freaking 19, you know, so uh, he graduated from Stanford with two degrees, uh, went to go work at Skybox, and then immediately went to Bessemer. So he's been successful for super long, for a very long time. And I think as a result of being really great at what he does, he gets to meet all these people at some point. And uh, yeah. they've all been equally as impressed with him as I have been. And of course, they came on after after meeting him. That, that's crazy. Yeah, you, you guys are both like really, really young. Like you're like, I, I, are you? You're like 28, 29, or? I'm I'm 26. Oh, uh, I know that the the lack of facial hair makes me seem like I'm I'm sub 21. Yeah. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. I've been getting carded forever. I, I can't leave the house without my. I'll get carded at a PG-13 movie. I look very young. <laughs> and, and how, I, I get how, it. How, how, how old is Shield? Shield is 29. 
He's 29. Yeah. Holy crap. You guys are in your, yeah, you guys are in your twenties. Yeah. Since I started this podcast, I've had this opportunity to talk to like a lot of, you know, amazing people such as yourself. Uh, I I spoke to another guy recently, which is he's 24, 25 and has $60 million in real estate. And he he started doing deals when he was, yeah, he started doing deals when he was nine. Like his first deal was when he was 19 and he closed on two uh, 12 unit buildings and he like raised the capital and did everything for it which I was like, this, this guy's insane. <laughs> yeah, these guys are nuts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Shield, I mean, he's on his second fund with $250 million. Things aren't looking like they're slowing down even a little bit. Uh, his little brother, who is 24, 25, I, I can't remember the exact age, is he is like one of the founders of Frontier Carver, which got like a $100 million in funding recently. Like, I don't even, I don't know what these, these guys' moms are feeding them, but like, I, I don't know what it is. That's what's going on. His little brother also went to Harvard at 15, like all of us. Um, and uh, who, who are these guys at 15? I was like still figuring out how to use basic technology. That, that's, that's absolutely crazy. What, yeah, I, 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 would, if, I would love to have him on the show and sort of talk about that because that's like yeah. going, going like, having you know like having one person in your family that does something but having two that's that, that, that that's pretty crazy <laughs> yeah i know i know it, i have a feeling if they had a, a little brother you'd be in the running for president if they had a you know a younger brother you'd be <laughs> that's so, awesome they're they're unstoppable there that, that, that. That's crazy to hear. Yeah, well, like the, you, uh, yeah, like the, the awesome thing that I've, I've sort of heard about from, from being like, from, you know, like being in venture capital is you get to meet all these amazing people and have, you know, amazing conversations with all these people, which is probably a pretty fun time to, you know, pretty fun to do. So um, I, I've got just a couple more questions for you here. Are, are you good on time? Yeah. Yeah, you're good on time. Good. But, but, yeah, you're good. Okay, awesome. So, uh, yeah, we, we covered a lot of stuff. We went into a lot of different areas. Um, so, what are some things that you actually don't like about the industries? Venture capital seems really, really fun, and it seems like you get to do a lot of incredible stuff. But what are sort of the the cons to it? Yeah, uh, real easy one. The industry is two percent Hispanic or black, uh, and that's just kind of how it is. Um, it's, it's that way for a number of reasons. What I said at the beginning, a lot of Hispanic or black people cannot take the opportunity or the chance to work for free for a couple months. And that's a really big, you know, that's a big deal because it's a big way to break in. Um, and if you can't do that, it's tough. So ways that I've been looking to combat that, and I've been talking to a ton of Hispanic kids that want to come into venture. Um, I've been telling them exactly what to do. I've been referring them to other people. I've been <clears throat> mentoring them myself, introducing them to startups, um, trying to get them paid positions that I think would be very helpful for them uh, or teaching them enough to the point where they could come on as a paid person. immediately. So that's kind of what I've been trying to, to do to remedy that situation. Of course, I'm just one guy. I can't, I can't do, I can't fix the whole industry, but I can, yeah. I can help one person at a time at least. Um, well, but- but that's one of the cons of the industry. 
yeah that that that, yeah. Re- that is really awesome that that you're doing that that you're not you know you you you've made it to the point where you know you're at a venture capital firm and now you're taking the time to actually help the help the next people you know get get up and you know get into the venture capital scene or maybe some somewhere else into like the startup sector so that that's awesome that you're doing that man thank you yeah um i mean i i i'm happy to bring people in and, and to help them out and stuff um yeah and, and and that's that's one of the big problems and as a result i mean i'm lucky that i have someone like Sheil who's uh really gracious with his time and, and helps me and mentors me um but for a lot of hispanic or, or black people it's it's not easy it, to find someone who relates to them to find somebody who um can just talk with them you know because uh, it's hard to find that connection so as of course in my own way i'm trying to serve as that connection as often as i can uh but it, it isn't it, it's something that will take years of trials or you know of trying for this to be fixed years maybe decades who knows yeah that 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 that's crazy that we're, we're still in like we're, we're still in a time that this is still this is still a problem right yeah so it's you know maybe the people aren't up front you know like they're not like overtly like you know i'm not going to hire that guy because he's hispanic but it does shake out that way and and what i mean by that is like because you're from a hispanic area you don't have the same opportunities so you never even get to the point where i saw a person who was in venture capital had i never met shield i probably would have never worked in this job i had no idea it even existed you know so like there are people who from a very young age know that venture capital is the thing they can do um i didn't know that so like uh i feel like it's a lot about exposure. It's a lot about uh, getting the word out. It's a lot about getting people in the right position to take these opportunities. Um, and so like, isn't it, and, and that's the tough part, right? It's not like from an overt thing. It's not from people saying they don't want black people or they don't want uh, Hispanic people. It's from a, a mismatch of opportunities. And so that's what we need to solve for. And that takes some affirmative effort. It's not just it's not enough to like, you know, say you don't hate people that are of color. It's now we have to offer them more opportunities or else it, it will never fix it. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 those are some great points to, uh, yeah, the, those are some great points. So, uh, to transitioning to another part, um, what, what are sort of your future goals right, right now with, you know, writing venture capital, um, you know, other things that are going on in your life, maybe not in, you know, the, the craziness of, you know, your business life and writing all sorts of stuff. What, what are some personal goals that, that you have? Oh man. Uh, I want to, I want to sit on some more boards of, of the companies that we bring in. Uh, I love working with them, uh, especially in these close capacities. We just brought on another company. I, I hope to sit as an observer for them, uh, because I love working with these folks. They're, they're awesome. Uh, really energizing to hear what they're working on and, and how things are going. Um, I hope to write more about immigration. I hope to really make a change. And the most recent Wall Street Journal article was the most popular opinion on their page for, I think, about 36 hours. And it was the third most popular article in the entire Wall Street Journal for the day, um, which was, I was very proud of that, of course, personally, but also, uh, you know, like, on the inside, I was, I was super excited that so many people yeah. had read it um, because, you know, there's a good chance that like a real decision maker read that piece and, you know, maybe it spoke to them. 
because it was all factual. You know, it wasn't about emotion. It was about this is the right thing. The numbers dictate it, you know, and, and so do, do what you can with this information. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's what I was really excited about. And so that's what I want to do more of is writing those pieces and getting them in front of the people who make the decisions. Um, so it's not just about a really impactful piece that people will respond to. It's about writing a piece that people will respond to and it gets in front of decision makers. So, you know, it's, it's not only a topic of conversation for the day, it's also something that can act on like right now, um, which I, I would really like to do. Awesome. Awesome. That, 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 those are some awesome goals and that, that's, that, that, that's pretty cool. So, um, what, so what, what are the things do you do besides like, uh, you know, sitting on all these boards and writing all these incredible, you know, like <laughs> posts and all this other stuff. Like do you play any sports? Do you do like any, other yeah. at all, or? so I'm, I'm actually, I mean, in non Corona times, um, I would be super excited because it's almost the start of the NFL season. I'm the world's biggest Detroit Lions fan, and I did say that correctly. Um, so my my dad was from Detroit, and he raised me a Lions fan. Um, and so I've, I've always had an affinity for the team. I've loved them ever since. But I took a picture with the live lion uh, in a Lions T-shirt. Uh, and and I think I was like something like the fan of the month for that month uh, because I was the only person willing to risk my life for the Lions. Uh, even though they were, I think, like, eight, eight that season, <laughs> six and nine or whatever, right? Um, yeah, so I've been a huge Lions fan. I'm an enormous uh, fan. I love football. I love watching it. Um, I would say outside of that, there's not, there's not a ton, but, I mean, I love just kind of hanging out. Uh, I'm a big joker. Uh, oh, yeah, I've also become really big in, in the attorney memes Oh, world oh, yeah. um i make make a ton of memes uh because i love i mean even when i was an attorney i really enjoyed messing with people yeah <laughs> uh and i really enjoyed joking uh and i took that one step further and started making memes about it and they've been uh really well received fortunately uh and That's so awesome. I, I love bringing memes in that area well that, that, that. That's awesome, man. That, that, that's pretty cool that, that you have all these different interests. And yeah, that, that, that's awesome. So um, uh, my, my last statue question to you is, uh, what is, uh, I, I sort of try and ask this to every single guest I have is sort of, uh, what does happiness mean to you? Uh, doing something that's fulfilling and just generally being excited every day. I mean, or being excited. You're doing something that's fulfilling and being excited. Uh, I'm a, I'm a pretty excitable guy. I get excited for, for almost anything. Uh, so that's not a high bar for me. Uh, but being fulfilled, that means that I'm doing something that I really care about. Um, and I'm really, uh, fortunate to be in a job that's incredibly fulfilled. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show. It's been, you know, it's been amazing talking with you. Um, you're, you're a very smiley guy. And you should. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome. It's, like, it's how I actually am. I smile a lot. It's just kind of what I do. <laughs> yeah, you just have like permagrin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so hearing your story, hearing, you know, the articles that you've written on, you know, these subjects, uh, you know, working at the venture capital firm and, um, the you know, helping the next generation get into the venture capital is awesome. And it's awesome to hear about. Uh, is there anything else that you want to add uh, before we before we end? 
I think I think that's all I got for now. Um, okay. But yeah, awesome. really, thank you for having me on. I really, I, I appreciate. I love the this whole experience. Awesome. This is my awesome. first podcast. So, yeah, yeah well, cool. <laughs> I think you'll do a lot. I, I I think you'll you'll do a lot more of podcasts. I think the, a lot more people <laughs> will want to have you on their show. That that's awesome. So, I appreciate uh, it. So uh, actually, uh, before we actually end, uh, uh, where can people actually find uh, more about you and actually uh, the firm, uh, the venture capital firm that you work for? Yeah, so you can look us up, uh, amplovc.com. You can also just add me on LinkedIn. That's a really easy way to get to me. Um, or, I mean, I guess any of the various social media platforms. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I don't really tweet much. Uh, but yeah, you can, you can find me on any of those, and uh, I'd probably be very responsive to a message. I, I try to be, so. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you, Sam. Yeah, thanks for having me on.